Welcome to Agile Clips, where we break down Agile into manageable pieces. In today's show, we discuss why well-prioritized and ordered backlogs are so important, how items should be added to them, and some techniques to manage them so that they are consumable by the delivery team. Hey Santosh, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you? So Very how was your fa- trip? Oh, fabulous vacation in Spain. Thank you for uh, asking. <laughs> Nothing I'm to do with Agile, but it was great. <laughs> uh, that was a two weeks uh, Agile vacation. Huh? <laughs> yes, we were following a plan, however. <laughs> <laughs> that way we did get to see a lot of things and uh, did a little improvising here and there, which was great. Awesome. All right, so uh, we are going to talk about backlogs. Yes. The more and more I go into details about you know, any time of the coaching at, at different levels, uh, it's interesting that uh, you know, we have to go back to the basics of three key things that we need for being agile. I guess, you know, like a, having a complete uh, cross-functional team, have a Right. Clear backlog and then producing working tested and uh, tested increments of a product. I mean, it's it's so uh, imperative that everyone needs to focus on that, and that's what I'm constantly reminding people and myself, saying, "Are we talking about these three things or not?" So, I think uh, talking about backlogs is very critical. That's right, because if um... If you think about producing working and tested software at regular intervals, but if you're not doing it according to some prioritized backlog, you might be building the wrong product. So yeah, yeah, backlogs are absolutely key. Yeah, and and uh, you know the couple of things about what the prioritized list and you know prioritized and ordered list is something that we always ask them to say is that yeah, priority is one thing. Can you order it correctly so that we know what in what order we are going to actually execute that backlog? And it, it goes to all levels of team, to the product, to the portfolio. That means at the leadership or the highest stakeholder level all the way down to how the team is going to handle that broken down components of that the backlog. So the yeah, backlog that... means different at a different uh, levels of organization. Yeah, there's always more work than an organization or a team can take on. So prioritizing that work is really critical. And if you don't do it, then what happens is you end up with people multitasking, unfinished work, lots of stress. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, uh, I mean, that, that's exactly what, uh, we are seeing everywhere is that the people create a backlog. But then they forget how to manage the backlog. And that's where uh, things just keep on piling up and everything that you know you manage for or, or plan for the sprints or whatever goes out the door and nothing gets done. So it's like, uh, why are we starting so many things at the same time? 
Yeah, and that, another thing about prioritizing the backlog that people often forget is they think of it just as features that need to be added to a product, but they forget all the other work that needs to be done, which could be housekeeping work, it could be um, you know or any form of technical debt, yeah. um, other things that don't happen ad hoc. They are known, they need to be worked on, but they need to be put into the backlog and prioritized with the with the agreement of well either the stakeholders in the company if it's a major rearchitectural work that needs to go on or with the product right. owner at the team level if it's just some set of bugs or more test automation that needs to be added or something that will not okay. allow the team to only work on features yeah, yeah and i think the that brings up a good point about who all gets involved in ordering or prioritizing the backlog in the sense not just the business not just the it's all aspects of it in the sense you know how big is that uh, thing that you need to do and how will it how long will it take to get it done so that everyone understands what is going to take actually to get any feature or any story or anything else their definition of done type of things right right the other big problem i've seen is where there are too many people who own the backlog <laughs> you really need one owner and everybody can contribute to the backlog i mean architects developers anybody can put things in the backlog to record the fact that there's something that needs to be done but it's really the the product owner if it's at the product level that needs to be the one person who prioritizes and there can be negotiation between the technical folks and uh, marketing or, or whoever to decide what's the right balance, how much time should we put into dealing with technical debt versus features. But you need one yeah. person to prioritize. Otherwise, it becomes a free-for-all, and then engineering managers step in, and they try and throw something in there, and they go around the the system yeah, to try yeah, and get yeah. something done and that just causes well, problems. The other, uh, you know, one of the other things I think Ed, we had talked about was uh, I've, I've seen it and I've done it also at multiple places is uh, using the swim lane concept, uh, level of service, in the sense that you have urgency, which is the swim lane where you know some all hands on deck, that kind of a thing. Then you have net new product, uh, swim lane. Then there is a technical swim, technical net swim lane, and then uh, operations type of things, which is that is a swim lane. And then, as you were saying earlier, uh, we allocate certain percentage of capacity of that team to each swim lane up front, so that everything gets the right amount of uh, the capacity aligned, uh, allocated, so people are not jumping onto each other the things get done in each lane and mm -hmm. that's more right. conscious way of looking at it plus it gives the visibility for all those things to everyone saying oh we better do this technical debt otherwise it'll keep on creeping up down the road or well you know because of these three emergencies uh, we need to limit how much we want to spend on the other things that the emergencies are or how to handle the emergencies better those kind of things. That's the visibility, and then that's what the the backlog uh, needs to be uh, you know, more smartly or uh, or actually efficiently distributed. That way, you know, it's not just 
person's opinion going through that it it handles all different aspect of the system that needs to be delivered right right yeah it never completes yeah it's very helpful to have that additional visibility by having the swim lanes yeah but i will mention a couple of um situations i've been in when i was a product owner one was um i was in an organization where the it became very apparent to me that the productivity of the team or what they would be able to deliver in every sprint was diminishing and the reason was there was a lack of test automation and every sprint there was more and more testing that needed to be done yeah because took... uh, all the regression keeps on getting bigger exactly and bigger. exactly so i made a conscious decision to give the team one sprint to only focus on building up test automation and not yeah. working on features and i had to go and justify it to my management but you know i had to make that tough call and i did and it worked out just fine in the end and then yeah. another situation i was in i had uh, some technical folks who were just arguing with me that there was some set of issues that needed to be resolved and because in the role of a product owner i was in really close contact with our salespeople, really understood what was going on with our customers these issues that the engineers wanted to fix and i don't blame them for wanting to fix them but they were specific to a feature that only one customer was using wow. and i knew that customer was not planning to renew their contract so i had some visibility that the engineering team didn't have and so in this case i really had to put my foot down against the engineering organization and say yes i agree it makes sense from a engineering perspective but the reality is nobody's going to care in a few weeks right well that what that brings up is the feedback loop in the sense we need to know the the backlog that is being created how it's going to impact the the end user or the consumer if nobody is going to use that function because that's the other thing that we started doing is to look at the feature usability if the feature is not being used why are we building it so then manage the backlog that way that hey unless and until the features are being used by 50% or more than 50% of our customers they don't get the priority and that made the huge difference because now you are talking to a broader audience their needs and you know a small thing that we do uh, get spread across bigger user base now the impact gets better everything gets better so yeah there is a continuous feedback loop as to what are we building are we building things that our end users need or not yeah that's the whole point of not doing uh, planning for the next 2 years of development is to be able to react to what we learn and <clears throat> what's exactly. going on yeah, yeah so that's one reason that uh, in the backlog we usually have what you can think of it almost as placeholders and the closer you get to implementing something the more you granular it should be and the more well defined but when you're thinking a few months out you really just have placeholders and you shouldn't be spending a lot of time thinking about it right right and i think uh, also uh, we uh, mentioned earlier the wip limit in the sense work in work in progress limit that actually gives you that feedback very quickly because the things that you complete you can start reading as to 
uh, is it a pivot time or a scale time? You know, the thing that you sent out, is that something that uh, really works or really is needed by the, or is it that, oh, we might have missed the requirement or what people were, business was looking for and let's pivot. So having that visibility sooner in the process than the later when it is too late, I think that's that's the whole idea behind getting that whip limit uh, right up front. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you get done sooner, well, there is nothing stopping you from pulling the next uh, highest priority one into the current sprint or current release. Doesn't matter, right? Because uh, the previous ones are already done. So. It it helps to focus on few things to complete completely, get the feedback, and then build on the top of it. So that's how actually the backlog needs to be actively managed. It's not set in stone when it's when it is there. Definitely. So let's talk a little bit about common pitfalls and solutions that we've uh, seen and and used. For example, uh, I've definitely seen backlogs that are become unmanageable because they just have so many items in them so one of the techniques for dealing with that is just really think is this something i'm ever going to want as a product owner and if not just delete it if it becomes an issue later on or something you want to address you can always add it back in but it's better not to be overwhelmed with the backlog and then another technique that some people use is they they really have a separate project. Let's say you're using Jira or whatever it is. Rather than putting everything in one place, things that are more in the early stages of thinking, you keep them separate, either in a separate Jira project or maybe even a, a Confluence page or Wiki page, somewhere where they don't overwhelm the, let's say, the engineering organization and by the way, if you really track cycle times and things like that, that's one benefit that the clock only starts ticking when you're sure. As soon as it gets into the queue. Yeah, when, when you show that you're really going to do something rather right. than, oh, I have this idea. Well, I think that's that's where the how your portfolio intake management needs to be refined in the sense that what are the things that have qualified and say, yeah, now they are ready to be actually put into uh, the the product backlog because there could be ideation there could be way of validation you know there are a certain level of things that need to happen first before it gets the funding or whatever those parameters are so that we can actually start working on it so i, I think but even for the uh, you know the intake process that backlog also has to be managed in a certain way like what well, I think we had talked about the uh, Kanban sandwich. So the portfolio is managed at the Kanban style uh, process so that you can do only so many things from one to the next and ready for uh, um, uh, execution or uh, getting into the product development. And the uh, bottom where, where you go into operations, operations goes into, again, um, Kanban. And the middle can be Kanban or... Uh, scrum barn or some something some mixture of that and that's how the the product backlog gets deciphered through multi levels of uh, organization yes right 
So let's see. The next uh, thing we probably should mention is uh, issues with the the prioritization not being correct. Um, mm. We already kind of covered it here, but I wanted to mention that in episode six of the podcast, we also uh, went into a bit more depth and talked about some techniques. Right. So the other problem um, I've seen very often is when uh, we have um, items in the backlog that are not consumable by the team, meaning that the granularity isn't correct. It's either you know more than can be done in one sprint, or it's just not broken down in a way that makes sense to the team. Yeah, it's and like that, uh, having a fat, too thick a stories or too too huge epics. Uh, that kind exactly. of a challenge. Exactly. So how you know what is the size of the epic should look like? How's the size of the story should look like? Those are the kinds of things that. Uh, everyone needs to be aware of uh, or at least the product owners and the team need to work together saying that oh okay well we need to break break it down to this level and i think having that fibonacci type of sizing uh, really helps in the sense that you know if the story is more than 21 points uh, it has to be broken up um, there are uh, more exceptions uh, or it's more of an exception than a rule that it can be that big, but uh, 99% of the time, if it's too big, you will be able to well, find out a way to slice it to a smaller and executable and fit into that sprint or maybe two sprints. That's about it. But uh, those are some uh, guidelines, I guess, managing the backlog. Uh, what components of the backlog should look like. Right. And uh, actually, just to piggyback on what you were saying, the uh, the sit a situation I've seen uh, quite often is where you have one backlog, but there are multiple teams that are working on it. So, for example, there's a cloud team, there's a front-end team, there's right. some back-end team, and they're working together closely, but they are separate teams, and they're probably working on multiple different products so as a product owner you're creating a description of the functionality you expect the user to see okay. but in fact all those teams end up having stories of their own which is their breakdown of how that functionality will be implemented and those go into the separate team backlogs yeah and so, i think you know that that uh, brings up a very good again technique i guess that we use for like a what we call uh, product uh, or product board so that's like what safe uses the program increment planning where you have the whole all the teams on the rows and then uh, each sprint what each one of them is going to be delivering so that there are dependencies against across each other and there may or may not be but at least they should be visible and then they want to make sure that they, it delivers the product for especially that that particular product uh, line. Parts of the products are de delivered in a consistent way when multiple teams are working on the same product. So making that visible and managing the backlog through that is very critical. Yep, and I can tell you from experience that however good a product owner you think you are, the way you think of 
stories is often not what the way the engineers think of it. Yeah. So they all want to break down things in a way that makes sense to them and sort of prioritize the, the tasks in a more, a more logical way that will lead to a, a better result. Right. So the right. product owner can't always uh, second guess how the engineers will implement the work. Well, and they that, shouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the classic uh, thing that we always tell the product owners that keep your thoughts or ha hands only to what and why. Do not jump into the how. Let the engineers right. do the how. Absolutely. <laughs> Because a lot of these product owners are technical and they want to say that, oh, I want this database to be this way. Like, no, that's not your call. <laughs> Let the team decide how to get it done. You tell them why we are why we are doing it and what are we going to do. And then you together come up with, say, when we are going to do that. So now... You know, there are definite areas of responsibility of why and what, how, and combined responsibilities when. And that's how the product backlog gets managed. Yep, that's correct. Great. So um, just so our listeners know, we keep a backlog of topics to uh, talk about in these uh, different podcasts. So this one is now uh, being executed and will be moving to post-production shortly. Yes. And then once it will be published, we'll start working on the next one from the yeah, top we, of so the backlog. We, we, we uh, know, eat our own dog food. We are agile. We actually do the whip limits and we actually do the Kanban board for this. That's and, right. Uh, so far, and we are getting the feedbacks and then we refine that and add more things to the backlog. So... Even the podcasters are using the backlog the way it should be used. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> great. Cool. Thanks, well, Santosh. This was great. Well, and uh, yeah, we have a few more podcast schedules uh, in the next couple of weeks. So now the frequency will increase because now the, uh, I guess, vacations and everything else is behind us before we hit and hit the Thanksgiving rush. But we'll try to get that done as much as we can. Very good. Awesome. Bye, everyone. Bye.